0: Remember when we were reading Hamlet, I I don't know if this made a difference to you, but I mentioned that for listeners at home, the act and scene divisions in the version we were reading, the second Norton Critical Edition, might have been a little off from what people are used to. We didn't quite understand that except to just guess that it was an editorial choice that was made when they created the second Norton Critical Edition. Uh, But we reached out to the editor of that edition, Professor Robert S. Miola at Loyola University, and he agreed to come on the pod. And he's gonna to explain to us a little bit about his choices that he made when he was shaping Hamlet for that edition. What else
1: did he, What there was something else that he brought up that that was really fucking interesting. I'd like
0: you to were really to interested in the the candle wick trimming of the stage? Yeah. You, you were really about that, that they had to wanna, time the act.
1: Yeah, I don't wanna give that away though mm. in this part. We'll, we'll, we'll get into more wick talk.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even know what you were talking about. Like later in Dr. Amilo's interview, you went like we're talking about something, and you just go the wicks. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> but the wicks
1: is like a is like an interesting thing because it's it's the what we would in a modern production it would be the lighting of the whole thing. Yeah. But you got to time the lighting by the
0: the length of the candle.
1: Yeah, and so you got to have candle got candle boys like like I don't understand yeah. like that blew me more than anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, they got candle kids and they got pole kids.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like that really that really got to me and thinking that you had to, you had to think about that. Like we can't let this scene run too long because we're going to run out of
0: candle. I think this this shows that you're really an entertainer at heart. You love the logistics <laughs> of the show. Yeah. We, we got into this in Hamlet too. You you were really interested in the musicians and the actors yeah. and like their gig. <laughs> yeah. And if they were getting paid at the end, like right. you like the logistics of the entertainment industry. Yeah, yeah. And I
1: like making sure everybody's, everybody's getting paid and people are being taken care of and there isn't any like forced labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you don't want you don't want there to be bloody hands in the entertainment that you get. But I guess I listen to a lot of music where there's possibly some bloody hands.
2: Hello,
0: Hey, is this Professor Miola?
2: Yes, hi, Michael.
0: Hey, how are you doing, Professor?
2: Very well. How are you?
0: Very good. Yeah, we're so uh, excited that you called in. When we were reading your second Norton Critical edition of Hamlet, we had a few questions about the act and scene divisions because I noticed that they were a little bit off what I was used to. and I had yes, absolutely. I had looked around at other editions, even at first, I said to myself, like, oh, maybe it's because this is the second quarto text and not the folio. But then I looked right. at some second quarto editions, and they had those kind of the standard divisions that I knew too. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Right, Act Four, Scene One starts with Enter the King and Queen. Right, so I think maybe for your listeners, uh, and maybe maybe it would be helpful if I talk about uh, generally about Act and Scene division in Shakespeare, and then we can zero in on that. Is that okay with you? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so the modern understanding of act, let's take acts. What's an act? Okay, um, is, it, is it a um, unit of action in the play or is it a um, chronological unit for the performance of the play? In other words, we put a division somehow in the performance. And the answer is it's, it's been both in the history of Shakespeare, but for Shakespeare himself, um, uh, it was neither, okay? So here's, here's the, uh, the history of it. In 1947, T.W. Baldwin wrote an 858-page book, Shakespeare's Five-Act Structure, and he was arguing that based on classical plays, Shakespeare wrote his plays with a five-act structure in mind. And Acts One and two were the protesis, the creation of dramatic struggle. Act three was the epitasis, the crisis of the struggle. Act Four was the continuation of the crisis, catastasis, and Act five catastrophe, which in Greek means resolution, not really you know what we think some disaster. And he, in this eight hundred and fifty eight page study, proposed this and analyzed a few plays, only a few plays. Turns out uh, that's really only three uh, segments. That's creation of dramatic struggle, crisis, and resolution, not five. And it turns out that none of the playwrights in the period seemed to think like that. Uh, W. W. Gregg surveyed prompt books and found that only the ones for private companies for boys were divided into acts, but for the men's companies at public theaters, namely Shakespeare, not a single prompt book was divided into acts. 74 printed plays for adult companies from 1591 to 1607, 74 printed plays, only Ben Johnson's are divided into acts. So the people printing These plays weren't thinking of them in terms of acts. And Johnson, of course, that makes sense. He's the most classical playwright, consciously imitating Terence, Plautus, Seneca, and so on. None of the 18 Shakespeare quartos printed in his lifetime are divided into acts, not a single one. Only the 1622 Othello has three acts noted two, four, and five. So from the printed record, people aren't thinking in terms of acts, playwrights and theater companies. If you look at the manuscript record, there are only two manuscripts which show act division. So what do we conclude? The plays for the public theater in Shakespeare's day were written for continuous and fluid staging, and and act divisions are a later imposition. Uh, in private theaters, this is not the case. In private theaters, Gary Taylor has shown after sixteen oh seven, which is of course after Hamlet, um, people used Activisions for very practical reasons. They needed to trim candles and they had entertainments in the in the intervals and you know they sold things. So you break break up the play, put on a jig, and sell some, you know. Uh, walnuts or whatever. It's, it's the
0: concessions. That's that's yeah. the time when you sell concessions.
2: Concessions and also candle trimming uh, has been shown, and and also entertainments. They had they had jigs and dances in between Whoa. at the intervals. So, so why do we think Shakespeare wrote an act? Well, the reason is by the sixty in 1623, when the first folio was printed, these private theater practices had taken hold, and as Gary Taylor argues, migrated into the public theater. But this is after Shakespeare was dead, and after his plays had been written. Right. I was going to so, ask
0: you about that, because I, I had heard that the folio was kind of the first appearance of a really rigid act structure for a lot of these plays. Yes.
2: 28 of the 36 folio plays are divided into five acts. Two of these are partially divided. Hamlet is one of those that is partially divided, as Act one and two noted. So so what has obviously happened is the plays have been retrofitted to conform with printing practices of the seventeenth century to sell the volume. I mean Johnson's folio had sold in sixteen sixteen, and now Shakespeare's folio is coming out in sixteen twenty three, and you wanted to look Hip and classical and all those things at the same time. So you divide it into acts. Who divided it into acts? Well, the most rigorous analysis is by a scholar named James Hirsch, who argues that the act divisions in the folio were created by two persons, You, you know, people in the printing house and imposed upon play manuscripts. And that, by the way, there's no systematic uh, um, methodology for imposing the acts. That they were, quote, Hirsch concludes, from the brain of Polonius. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so that's act division, okay? What about scenes? Scenes are really important. Scholars all agree, Shakespeare wrote, scenes and what constitutes a scene. Scholars mostly agree, um, is the clearing of the stage. Right. Exunt. Uh, it, right. Or yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, but there are exceptions. Everything's complicated, right? Not if the exiting or entering characters express awareness of the other group. That seems to be a gray area. Um, The important thing is, despite the name scene, scena, it is not a matter of place, of fictive locale, but it's really a matter of character and action, as you would experience in the theater. Printed plays are usually divided into scenes, and sometimes these are marked by a couplet or by, as you point out, exit or an exam. But then there are gray areas. What about prologues? What about epilogues? What about choruses? What about battle scenes? You know, you have these battle scenes where characters going in and out, stage is empty for a moment, do you mark it as a new scene? Some editors do, some editors don't. They mark it as continuous action. What about, uh, so that's scenes. The other interesting point is that many of the best Shakespearean scenes um, have several panels or sequences of action
0: right So, uh, my co-host ray i want to introduce you this is ray
2: yes hi ray
1: hey professor um How uh, you doing? i just wanted to thank you for 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 coming on the show um
2: i'm very very happy to be here
1: it is um I, this has been a fun ride for me because i know absolutely nothing about the subject matter and um that's my level of expertise i'm i'm just getting all Good. of this for the first time
2: Yeah. Well, I I hope I'm clear.
0: Oh, yeah. This is going to be useful information for us to take forward, too, because we've just done Hamlet, and our mission is to have Ray experience Shakespeare's canon. Ray is experiencing these plays for the first time, kind of in a theater of the mind presentation. Like, I'm just sort of narrating and reading some of the dialogue, and we're talking about it as we go. and you know, we got to the end of Hamlet and Ray was probably the only person in the world who didn't know everybody died. Like he got to the end and it was a surprise, which it's so great to experience that. Even for me, it's like watching a great, a movie that you love with your best friend, you know, and you get to experience it again. Yeah.
2: That is beautiful. Yeah, Well, that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? I mean, you know, making these plays, uh, speak to people and, and move them or not. It's not really about, um, you know, our own ideas or the scholarship. It, it, people always argue about, should Shakespeare be required? And and I, they always think I'm gonna say, absolutely, absolutely, everybody has to be And I always say, well, he does pretty well in the open market. Yeah, yeah He's done pretty well for 400 <laughs> years. I don't, think, I don't think we have to worry about forcing people, you know?
0: Yeah, that's something we've talked about is the longevity of this art. And that's just something for me that makes it interesting in its own right. It's like a movie that never leaves the theater. Like what makes this material so engaging that, you know, yeah. most people can't name another early modern playwright. Right. But everybody right. knows Shakespeare. Mm.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, what? I, I taught a course in Shakespeare, I'm teaching a course in Shakespeare and race and I'm just learning a ton of things about, um, African-American actors and their, uh, Interpretations, reinterpretations, South African actors, uh, Shakespeare in Asian p- places. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's fascinating stuff. So, uh, and there's an, a website, MIT Global Shakespeare's, which which even has the, you know, the Chinese and the uh, Mandarin versions of Hamlet. I and mean, it's wild. Uh, I, you want to get to the Hamlet? moment
0: the main moment in hamlet where when i was reading through your version the main moment moment where i saw it start to veer is act 3 scene 4 right like that's the scene
2: right okay so act the, the main moment here is act 3 scene 4 and we've just had you know your your podcast is what how a rat right and mm-hmm. this is that scene yeah uh, be- <laughs> so that's great uh because it's perfectly appropriate for you to you know Want to know everything about that scene? So he he, Hamlet kills Polonius, what a rat! And and then we have the whole dialogue with Gertrude, his mom. And then uh, if you go to line two twenty, if you have the text, uh, "Good night, mother," he says, exit. And that's line two twenty, and we assume editors assume he takes the body off because that's what you know how's he going to get off and then enter king in my edition too queen with rosencrantz and gildenstern no act and scene division okay so uh the question is why do editors place an act and scene division here and the answer is um for two reasons. When he says, good night, mother, the actual stage direction in the quarto is enter king and queen with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. So, they're assuming that Gertrude has exited and that this starts a new scene. The stage is cleared. It starts a new scene. They're also assuming that since The same character is re-entering right after she exited, namely the queen, that some time has passed and that it's appropriate to stick an act division here. Okay, so that's the conventional thinking. And there was this bogus law called the law of re-entry, which said a performer could not exit at the end of one scene and enter at the beginning unless there was an act interval. Uh. Okay, but that law doesn't really hold up. There are, you know, acts are later impositions, as we've explained. So, and there are all kinds of of exits, Uh, all kinds of exceptions. So here's my thinking on that. I don't think we need to assume Gertrude exits. Hamlet says, good night, mother. There's no reason to assume she exits, um, except for that it says enter king and queen right, uh, after. So you have to, so something's wrong. Either there's a missing exit for Gertrude or the exit king and queen is wrong. One of those two is wrong. They can't both be right.
0: Hmm. Right. Yeah, the queen is still there. So the stage never actually clears. Right. Hamlet leaves. So, and if we consider what Claudius's frame of mind is there, Is he going to wait to go check up on what happened between Hamlet and Gertrude? Probably not. He's probably waiting to hear the results of this conversation. And in this read, he's kind of running in right afterwards. Like, what happened?
2: Exactly. Mm. Exactly right. So that whole idea, and then when he says, there's matters in these sighs, these profound heaves, you must translate. That would, uh, people who want to put an Activision there say he's talking about Gertrude's Size and heaves, and he's seen them in the interval between act three and four, that's what one scholar has argued. But he could be just talking about what he's heard just from his son. And the, the first quarto bears that out. He comes in and says, what about our son? What says our son? So he seems to be thinking about his son, uh, and, uh, and so it seems to make sense uh,
0: there. Um, The read that you just mentioned of the the scholar who thought that he's discussing Gertrude's size and heaves, that seems very counterintuitive to me because nobody throughout the play has been discussing Gertrude's mental state. She's kind of blank, or or at least we've been discussing Hamlet, like the size, the profound heaves, like that's obviously to me, someone talking about Hamlet.
2: So that argues for continuous action, which is what I'm voting for. In this edition, that um, that what ha- that this all happens rapidly, and Hamlet drags the body off the stage. In comes the King, and things just keep cooking from there. So, um, so that's why I didn't put an act or a scene uh, division there. Thinking that what must be wrong is the exit king and queen. I mean, enter king and queen, and 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 so put it put it that way. So I'm not alone in that decision. Gary Taylor in the new Oxford edition, 2016, mm-hmm. he writes this about this: alternatively, the queen leaves the stage. Her reentry here, her reentry here, would establish a new scene with a passage of time and change most texts since 1676 have begun act 4 here most productions follow the 1603 1604 to 5 and 1623 texts with the king entering to the co- to the queen who remains in place and that's what taylor does that's what i do so so i he, You know, it is just a matter of how you want to read the early text and how you want to imagine uh, the stage action.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I can, speaking to the old interpretation, um, the one that we're sort of veering from here, I can see why an editor might have started an act there just from a dramatic point of view, because Hamlet dragging a body off the stage is very dramatic. It's kind of a cliffhanger, you know? Exactly. A lot of blood.
2: yeah, yeah, and you want to you want to make that a break, and then you have the the action of the king plotting,
0: mm-hmm. um, which can which is, incite another act.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you can you you can do that, uh, or you can read three to four as uh, you could read that king entrance as a continuation of the plot, which begins with him, um, you know, with all of his machinations against hamlet and what i did is start act 4 which is admittedly arbitrary um with fortinbras and his army across the stage so here we have clearly you know foreign banners we have a whole new uh you know a new a, a new burst of action yeah, so, change of venue yeah so but that's i mean it's arguable either way that, those are my reasons, but there's there are different ways to do it and as you could see um the conventions can be read uh so to support different decisions so that was my thinking, continuous action um no real scene emptying and that made sense.
0: Now when that you make when you make a decision like this we've been talking a little bit about the Shakespearean world this is the, i mean the people in our world who are really into Shakespeare do you get any pushback when you make a decision like this like did anybody really oh, disagree with your decision oh
2: yeah absolutely so Whoa. um
0: like like, yeah, like death death threats
2: no 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 okay. no, no, no. no uh, I was in Spain at a conference and when this came out, when the first edition came out and um and I was I was at the bar, you know, and and talking and, and I noticed somebody was sort of hovering around, hovering around, and I was in a conversation and like for twenty minutes. And then uh I turned away and it was a Spanish scholar who came up and said, Why did you put Prince Solid? <laughs> you know, in the famous, in the famous uh oh that this two twos. S- solid flesh would melt, thaw, and resolve itself into a dew. The, the famous second solo, of Hamlet, because that's a, that's a famous textual crooks. Uh, the quarto says sallied uh, flesh, and the folio says solid flesh. I was using the quarto. Why did I switch to solid? Why did I use a folio reading there? Well, I, my argument then was, it It seemed to make sense with the melting images, but, you know, it seemed to be a better reading. But sallied, in other words, assaulted flesh, is defensible. That's a defensible reading. And in fact, I changed my mind on that point in the second edition and printed sallied. But either is defensible. But the most that happens is, you know, I mean, the worst that it gets, scholarly, uh, you know, you do get occasional fireworks in print, you know, people saying, you know, you're, you're not an editor, but most, most of the time it's pretty cordial.
0: (laughs) You're not even an editor.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So have you, have you uh, hung out in real life with other Shakespeare editors and, and chilled out, cut it up, hit the dance floor, whatever, like,
2: Oh yeah. Wow. Oh, Absolutely, yeah, I mean, uh, the Shakespeare Association of America has a Malone Society dance. what and at, at the end of every every Shakespeare Association meeting, uh, all these Shakespeare scholars get out there and you know and and, yeah, it's pretty funny amazing oh, who who oh, is
1: yeah, who yeah, is yeah. djing this event?
2: well somebody hires a dj oh and goodness. there's a lot of alcohol and and then you see <gasps> you know some absolutely crazy things mm. yeah, but, yeah but even the best yeah
1: wow uh, the best
2: scholars and and you can take this away you can print this the best scholars <laughs> are not the best dancers
0: <laughs> oh wow
2: <laughs> but a lot of the young graduate students look pretty darn good at them wow
1: but, let's it, uh, yeah, we'd we'd like to talk to you later about that. More about right, uh, right, DJ list, yeah, the DJ booking and guest list because wow, oh, that yeah.
2: sounds Oh yeah, amazing. Well, it's open to everybody, and uh, the Shakespeare Association of America, which you, you know, which which um, is one of the great organizations. I, I go to that one, the one in England. Uh, which is a wholly different affair. You know, you've got breakfasts and you've got, you know, theater, more theater involved in that. The one in America is much more democratic. You have seminars where you submit the paper and then you have these discussions uh, in advance. You submit the paper in advance. So uh, England is now taken to doing that. But yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. and uh, uh, But... Some great conversations, and some of the best conversations are at the bar.
0: Amazing. Yeah, you what? sit
2: down with a great scholar at the bar, and you get going after a drink or two. Interesting. Um, yeah, I tell you what, I, we used to go after the plays. We used to see the plays in Stratford on Avon, and then go over to the, to the pub across the street, and and you know you'd be drinking pints of beer and then talking about the play mm-hmm. and sometimes the actors would come in and and so once i went up to the guy playing Macduff in macbeth and i said he's a royal shakespeare company actor and i said so can i buy you beer tell me about Macduff." and he said sure you can buy me beer I bought him a beer and he said the damnedest thing about this part is he has no good lines and I said, what? What do you mean he has no good lives? He said, yeah, every time he's talking, my voice is in my sword. I have no words. And he began, you know, he knew, he knew the part. So he was quoting a part to me about how many times Macduff says, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> but only an actor, you know, could tell you something like that, who lives with the part. And then he said, he said, you know, the other thing is the big moment in the play McDuff comes in with Macbeth's head. I said, yeah, 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 I know that moment. He said, you can't do it on stage without getting laughs. Every time he comes in with a dummy head, the whole audience breaks up.
1: Mm-hmm. You need more blood. This, I think that they're not depicting this thing without enough blood. The castle, is hard to clean. There's a lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not, yeah, more blood would help out that scene.
2: So he says to me, one day I I brought in the head in a burlap bag so that people wouldn't laugh. He said, but then I made the mistake of putting it on the stage and it went clunk and the whole audience.
1: (laughs) (laughs) With with um with the podcast as and and God bless Mikey's heart here, um, he's explaining all of this to me while I'm consuming. A decent amount of cannabis, and I wonder yeah, about, yeah. <laughs> I like, which. It, all right, there's some drawbacks to that. I understand, Mike. You're you're having it's an uphill battle dealing with me. <laughs> oh no, but, it's fun. You're great. Um, now, how, how do you think that in in these ancient times that they were that there was any consumption of of cannabis at these events? I mean, there's Cannab- there's the wicks is already blowing my mind, but I'm wondering about this in addition?
2: I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know the history there, but there was plenty of ale. Yeah. And there was plenty of ale. And, you know, theaters were off limits in the London town because of prostitution. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, share, the, the theaters were built on Bankside on the other side because they could... There are two reasons. One was th- three, actually. Prostitution, flourished, pickpocketing, and also they were worried about sedition mm-hmm. because when you played the history plays and and then you had you know kings being knocked off they they didn't want the crowds to get the wrong idea that you yeah. could knock off a king or you could well so they you know plays before they were printed had to go to a censor, the mm-hmm. master of revels who would you know X out scenes that that were likely to Inflame uh, people to rebellion, but the, in the contemporary council theater, there's all kinds of talk about pickpockets and, and prostitution. Yeah. So yeah, there's and, and when they re- rebuilt the globe, they found you know all kinds of rap all kinds of debris that was organic from people eating during the play.
1: <laughs> right, and throwing stuff. Sometimes yeah, you got to throw, throw a tomato, yeah, or, just or, throw it. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah,
2: we think of we think of Shakespeare in stained glass, but he was anything but. I mean, the theater was uh, a rough. I mean, there were performances at court, which were pretty fancy. You know, you were performing for the king, yeah, and the queen and the nobles, yeah. But that, but the public theaters, the, you know, those were you know, they they were affordable and they were raucous is mm. what we know. Raucous entertainment.
0: Yeah, standing room only. I, I went to the globe and it was all you just stand in front of the stage. There's no seats.
2: Mm. Yeah, and they do a great job of 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 giving you um you know trying to trying to give you some experience. There's some seats they cost more money. Yeah. You know, and cushions cost even more money.
0: Yeah, I was a groundling <laughs>
2: You're a groundling, Greg. Oh, yeah. yeah, so you, I mean, yeah, Shakespeare mixed it up. He adapted plays. He, he he showed every instinct of being a successful guy in the theater. He was also pretty savvy from what we gather by, by graphically making yeah. real estate investments back home.
0: Mm. Yeah, he was an upstart crow, right?
2: Yeah, right, right. And that was... Yeah, Green's remark about him not having that a university education—that
1: was his side hustle. He was he was doing real estate and gloves. Yeah, no, he
2: was he, he was a middle aged guy. He was, yeah. yeah, he was. His dad was a glover,
1: huh.
2: and he was he was buying, um, you know, buying. He bought the best place in town, the biggest place house in town. Uh, you know, as he was successful in the theater, but it wasn't easy to be successful in the theater. Huh. I mean, that that was, you know, he. He could read the trends. I mean, Marlowe does the Jew of Malta, he does Shylock. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. Jews are big. Do Shylock. Mm-hmm. And but he doesn't he doesn't do a cartoon. I I, I mean Shylock's you know, that's an interesting that's an interesting study. Um you know
0: That's the merchant of Venice, right?
2: Yeah, Merchant oh, of Venice. Shylock so get, I
0: only know through the
1: the gambling world.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but the the great thing I learned about, I've been learning about the from the Shakespearean race course is the is the way that characters of color or ethnic variation or difference are 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 treated, and 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 what the relations, you know, Shakespeare's writing during the beginnings of the slave trade, so. Does that register? Where does that register in the plays? Mm. Play like the Tempest. Um, yeah, Caliban,
0: so, right in the Tempest, is a character of color. Uh,
2: well, yeah, he's the one who has been adopted as a character of color by you know. Uh, yeah that that would be that would be one place certainly because he he says this island's mine and you guys came and took it over so that seems to to resonate. With colonial enterprises of, you know, the, the great British Empire. But mm. everything's up for re-examination. Um, I'll just give you one last anecdote. I'm doing this Macbeth, a new edition of Macbeth that is, I'm hoping is a- anti-racist. Uh, in that, race for Elizabethans meant, um, it meant country as well as it didn't mean skin color it meant nationality. So, for example, they thought of the Irish as a barbarous race who should be conquered. And they tried, the English, you know, the whole history of Ireland and England. And Scotland, where Macbeth is set, also, you know, those barbarous Scots. And Macbeth plays that out, you know, in in the play, you've got witches and you've got this tyrant and, and the English come in at the end of the day to save Scotland from itself. Well, I was... I asked the question, so what do the Scots think of this? Mm. You know, so so I wrote to some Scottish scholars, and they said, uh, why don't you come over and look at our archives? We got plenty to say about this. So I went over to Scotland this past summer. Nice. I couldn't believe what I found. I mean, um, one example is this, that in a Scottish rewriting of the play, Instead of coming in with Macbeth's head, Macbeth comes in with Shakespeare's head. <laughs> and he says, you know, you son of a bitch, you made me into a tyrant. <laughs> you destroyed my legacy. I, I was a good king. And, you know, you English are all the same. I mean, it's fantastic. Mm. You know, so who knew that? You know, who knew that?
0: Yeah, the that's great. Itself,
2: the play itself embodies you know the colonial aspirations of great britain or at least can or at least one version of it can so um so anyway there's always more to discover and if you tune into performances as well as scholarship you, you know the, the, the opportunities for fun go on and on
0: <laughs> yeah I, I have one last question for you uh, professor sure. um We're about to start our second season and we're going to do a Midsummer Night's Dream, um, which, again, Ray doesn't have any experience with at all. No clue. What should we be looking for? Any any notes for us on Midsummer Night's Dream? What's important there for us to be thinking about?
2: Yeah. uh, That play, I love to teach that play because um, things it's, it's surefire theater. I mean, you can play a Midsummer Night's Dream to middle school and, and they will get into the fairies and the whole craziness in the forest and and all of that. You can um
1: there's fairies in this? Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> what? Oh yeah. yeah. And then and sometimes here's the thing if you if you um look for productions, you'll see the fairies increasingly are played not as, you know, little little ballerinas and this and that but as these almost demonic dark uh, forest primeval figures and that's that's changing the whole play the wow. the male female dynamics in that play are really interesting um, in the first the first scene Theseus a mythological figure says to Apollo'll be with my sword you know, but now we're going to get married and it's in the old days, that was treated as, okay. So, you know, they had a fight and now they're going to get married. Mm. Well,
1: as you do. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, (laughs) and now we're going to have this nice play. Well, I saw, there's a production online in which, um, Hippolyta comes in, in a cage. She's in a cage and Feces is dressed as Hitler so the idea is he's not this noble Athenian mythological figure, but he's a power mad machismo guy. And then this this and she's the dominated suppressed female. And then this dynamic stretches into the forest with Oberon and Titania and and so on. So it's it's just, you know. So my advice would be to look for some YouTubes. I can say I'll send you some. I'll send you some clips.
0: Oh great, great.
2: I'll send you some clips and you can um look for some YouTubes to sort of spice things up and see what the possibilities are, but you very rarely nowadays will see a straight up uh joyful airy fairy dream you'll see the play beginning to explore male female relations um even the domination of um the fairies uh and so on and there's a version with kevin kline
0: um Hmm.
2: that is yeah midsummer night's dream with kevin kline plays bottom and and that's great fun so awesome. Sweet. Yeah. So I'd say I'll send you some clips just for some fun and you can, you know, take it from there.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Professor Mueller. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for explaining some of this to us. It's great to and have ble- an actual expert in the room.
2: Yeah, blessings on you both for all the good work you do. And uh Ray is the student, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, yes. I, I salute you because the whole university really is that students and You know, the professors, we're just there, but the student is the highest vocation at the university. So that's what matters.
1: I'm a a white belt every every dojo I go in.
2: (laughs) Okay, take care, guys.
0: Okay, thank you, Professor. Bye-bye. Sure,
2: bye-bye.
1: Oh my god that just happened ladies and gentlemen that was robert s me fucking ola what the fuck wow that was like talking to king james yeah it was like talking to king james or talking to um i don't know who else edits stuff Big stuff. <laughs> Who, <who's laughs> that's an, all I got, who's like, an editor? because it's like everybody knows about the Bible and then they know about Shakespeare, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what's in between the Bible and Shakespeare? Not much. Yeah, so that's that's all I got.
0: Yeah. An apt analogy. Wow.
1: Um, it made me nervous. Yeah. Yeah.
0: A little bit? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because that's the. Uh, so it's like you, Robert S. Miola, King James. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. That's like, this is like, this is my pipeline into the whole thing, right? Wonderful.